I'm gonna start off strong with that. Um, I'm pissed. This is literally the fourth fucking time. Hey guys, welcome back to 1133. <laughs> this is Ant, and I've tried to record this episode too many fucking times, and I'm literally about to lose my marbles. Oh my god, Mercury retrograde, fuck you. Strong start. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, I'm sure you can kind of guess what the fuck we're talking about today. We're talking about astrology. I'm going to cut to the chase. Disclaimers first. I'm going to get to it because I am so angry that I have tried to do this episode so many times and something keeps going wrong. I don't know if it's I'm not supposed to share this episode or if perhaps um, God is really testing me. Nobody knows. Nobody knows, but um, I'm going to get to the bottom of it couple things to mention, um, I am going to be adding an infographic at the end of this episode that shows the house chart that I like looked up and referenced throughout the episode, but I drew my own because I am literally so anal and I love um, handwritten things because I need physical reminders of stuff, and I'm also going to be exposing myself today by giving you guys a look at my personal chart as well so you could see astrology in action, um, kind of from like the horse's mouth. But, let's get into it. I literally want to cry. Um, if you guys hear any scratching and or meowing in the back, those are my two cats. They've been, like, just in a perpetual fight since I brought her home. Since I brought the new one home. Um, it's a good fight. It's not, like, a bad fight. And is my septum crooked? Maybe. Um, I hope that you guys are watching this on Spotify because you're going to need kind of, like, that video reference because I'm going to be showing you a lot of... Um, like, I'm going to be showing you visuals of certain things, so it would, it would be helpful to watch this as opposed to just listening. Um, but let's get started. So I, a question that I get a lot whenever I, like, do, like, some sort of astrology take or something on Twitter or even on Instagram, somebody will be like, what, what are you talking about? What are houses? Like, first it was planets, first it was uh, signs, now it's houses, too. Like, is it, yes, astrology is never-ending because there's also aspects, degrees, and all of that, and good luck. Um, but houses, in short, are areas of life represented in your chart, um, ruled by whatever sign your chart uh, dictates it is. Um, that sounded stupid. So basically, depending on your rising sign, your house, um, your houses are going to look different. Um, and I'm going to get into why that is. But before I even start telling you what each area or each house represents, it is important to show you the traditional rulership of the order of those 12 houses. Um, for Just to clarify, I do use the whole sign system. It is the oldest system um, for houses, and it's also one of the most clear-cut. It's very clean, very easy to read, and for beginners, I definitely recommend something like this. Um, so that's, I try to draw it, and as you can see, mine are mad unequal, but that's really none of your business. Just pretend it looks perfect, because um, I did this with one of my child's snack bowls and his marker in construction paper. So like, really, who's winning? Me. Um, but let's get into that. So the first house traditionally is ruled by Aries, and then it kind of goes through the order of the Zodiac. Um, Aries does start off the Zodiac New Year, so um, it's kind of funny that, of course, it's the first house. Um, but let me go through the order um, by number. So it goes one Aries, two Taurus, three Gemini, four Cancer, five Leo, six Virgo, seven Libra, eight Scorpio, nine Sagittarius, 10 Capricorn, um, 11 Aquarius, and 12 Pisces. So that is the traditional rulership of the houses, the, the, the traditional order of how the houses are um, represented by the zodiac signs. 
cool part about traditional rulership is that when you know what the sign is for that house and you know what planets um, kind of rule over those signs, then you understand the energy that kind of speaks to that area of life. So that's what I want to equip you with. And I will be using my chart as reference because, as you can see, my first house is actually in Virgo. It's not in Aries because I'm a Virgo rising, which brings me to my next point. Let's get started on the houses. <laughs> the first house is going to be your house of self. It is your ascendant or your rising sign. Um, so when you think of your big three, if like let's say you're a Libra, Sun, Scorpio, Moon, uh, Sagittarius rising, then that Sagittarius rising is going to be your first house. From there, you will follow the order of the zodiac until you get to 12. So let's say that you're like me and you're a Virgo rising. This is what your chart looks like um, if you're using whole signs. Your first house is Virgo. Then you go... Libra, then you go Scorpio, Sagittarius, um, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, then Leo being the 12th. So that's how you could see, did I point at the right one? Um, then that's how you could kind of see, and I'm going to zoom in so you guys can see this a little better. No! Don't look at my nails because I haven't done them. But you could see the order of them. Uh, you see like one is Virgo. That's my ascendant. And I do have a couple placements in the first house. So I will speak to how, Hey, how each planet behaves in each house. But then you have your second house, my second house in Libra, third house in Scorpio, fourth in Sag, five in Cap, six in Aqua, seven in Pisces, eighth in Aries, Taurus is nine, Gemini's 10, Cancer's 11, and my 12th house is in Leo. Um, so Clearly, as you could see, it is very much contingent on that rising sign and what that rising sign is. From there, you just follow the, the order and then you will see the rest of your houses. Um, but let's get into it. So the first house is that house of first impressions, house of self. It can denote appearances. It can, um, I the reason why I, I am calling it a house of impre first impressions is because a lot of people used to say that the first house or your rising sign is like the mask that you present to the world. Full disagree. Um, your first house is still very much you. Um, it's just simply, I feel like, the most superficial layers. So in the grand scheme of things, right, your first house is kind of like the epidermis <laughs> of your personality. And then the rest of the houses plus planets are, are really getting into the nitty-gritty of what makes you you. Um, but the first house is you walking into a party and there's a group of girls in the back that are all eye eyeing you and sizing you and this is what they got from that first glance. Um, and that's why the first house can denote appearance. Like for example, somebody that does have their first house in Aries or their rising sign in Aries might um, have a big head. You know, Aries rules over the, the head. Um, I'm an Aries moon and I got a big forehead. So like that, it does show up in other ways too, but like kind of like that, that first houses will you where you will see that sign um show up in your looks and so using me as an example about the first house i do have my venus and my north node in my first house of virgo so being that my venus is in the first house the way that that typically can behave is you know you have this planet of beauty creativity um love all of that is in my first house of self meaning i my looks have a lot to do with the way that I am feeling and can also denote how I am feeling. A lot of the times when you see me not taking care of myself, not doing my hair, not doing my makeup, um, it's a very big indicator that something is not 
right up here. And being that Virgo is such a mercurial sign, right? It's all about the mind. Um, that is, that's kind of an interesting kind of correlation. You know, when my brain's not doing well, typically my appearance suffers as well. Um, I do have my North Node there. I'm not really going to get into North Nodes because that can be its own episode. Um, but that's just an example. Let's say somebody was a first house son, then what you see is pretty much what you get. You know, you have your son, which is your essence, your you at your core, right? Um, not really at your core, but it's, it's just, it's your ego. So it's like what makes you as the human you um, in your first house. That means that you come across as what you really are. You're very forthcoming of who you are. Um, which I feel could kind of sound a little oxymoronic considering I just said that the first house isn't a mask, but I'm not really going to walk up to a stranger and, and kind of deploy my 12th house Leo sun and Mercury right off the bat. You know, I'm, I'm, I am going to come off as that Virgo, very analytical, very critical, very kind of, I also see Virgo as very self-righteous and I know that I can come across a little, uh, bougie on the moral front. So that is the first house though. So obviously looking to your rising sign, let's say you're Sagittarius rising, then Sag will be your first house and you could kind of go down the list. But um, it depends on what planets you got in there, what sign is in there. That's how it's going to behave. And that's how that area of life or that the energy of that area of life is going to manifest. For me, it's in Virgo. So it's very nervous, anxious, analytical, um, kind of just analysis driven period, um, sort of first impression. And I do get that. I had somebody tell me that I'm mysterious. Me? I don't be gatekeeping nothing. I just be gaslighting. So with that being said, that was my cat literally headbutting the fucking window. You good? You're not good. You're not good. Um, if nobody gets that reference, I'm literally going to, this will be a series of 13 episodes, if you know what I mean. Um, so the second house is, uh, wait, pause. Let me backtrack because I feel like I'm kind of all over the place. And it's because I've done this so many times that I'm like just trying to speak and get it done with so I can get to the fun stuff. Um, but just to kind of call back, first house, traditionally ruled by Aries, and it has to do with our self. So our appearance, our first impressions, us at a glance, the way we show up in the world, um, the way people would maybe describe us as, like just basically the way that we just kind of are conjured into the, 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 the world of others. That is how we show up. Um, so with that being said, let's move on to the second house. The second house is traditionally ruled by Taurus. Um, and the second house speaks to, you know, our self-worth, our self-esteem, our finances, our income, um, our possessions, the, our values, you know, the things that we hold valuable and the things that we give value to. And, you know, Taurus is an earth sign. It's a very fixed sign. So these are the things that we kind of like will ball up our fists and be like, no, this is how I feel. And nobody could change my mind. That's, very much the second house. And the second house also too is, it can be very helpful to look at the second house for like self-care as well. In my opinion, in my opinion, I would look towards the second house and the fourth house for self-care. Um, but the second house has to do with all of that, right? So mine is in Libra. So this house where I'm supposed to be focusing on my values, my self-esteem, uh, my self-worth is in a very um, partnership and relationship fueled sort of sign you know Libra is all about 
we let's i'm sorry it's all about us let's say it's you and me it's it's all about the two of us or the four of us it's and i find that kind of funny <laughs> because i have both my chiron which is my immortal wound which i will get into that maybe later uh, but your chiron is like your immortal wound it's kind of the wound that you have to master in every lifetime um Chiron's in Libra in the second house. So being that Libra is so relationship fueled, um, ow, my wound is kind of activated by my relationships. And I tie my self-worth to a lot of relationships. Like when, when a friend and I fall out, I start to kind of turn that energy inward. And I'm like, but maybe it's something I could have done differently. Maybe I didn't do this enough, or maybe I did this too much. Like that's kind of where my Chiron um, goes a little haywire. And then I also have my Mars in Libra. So I really like this because Mars and Libra could be taken one of two ways. And I'm choosing the positive because I really got to stop looking at astrology to kind of astrologize my doomsday prep. You know what I mean? Trying to film this episode has been my 13th reason. Um, okay, so to continue on with the second house so the second house also i have my mars in it so again mars and libra um the positive way of looking at this is that I'm, I'm i'm a firm advocate for others right mars and libra libra is that advocate sign and mars is all about that passion and drive you know what drives me it is that adv advocacy that is not the way to pronounce it but it kind of like that advocating for other people problem is having it in the second house where I should be advocating for myself it can be a little bit troublesome also having Mars and Libra in the second house means that if I don't believe in it I'm I'm not doing it <laughs> to be fair uh Libra is about like you know like the balance and trying to find harmony so if I don't really truly believe in the cause of what I'm working towards I'm not gonna do it and I'm not gonna do it well um so yes that is the second house, traditionally ruled by Taurus. Um, in my case, it is ruled by Libra, but we're not just talking about Angelica. So um, that is what it has to do with self-worth, finances, income, kind of values and the things that we give value to um, and the things that we hold valuable as well, possessions, assets, but it's all on a personal level. Um, so let's move on to the third house. The third house is traditionally ruled by Gemini. See my two cats literally fighting right under the tripod and I'm scared. Um, the third house is traditionally ruled by Gemini, which is a very mercurial sign. And Mercury calls attention to the things of the mind and communication, right? And that is what the third house has to do with. Did I say that right? Um, so the third house, it's uh, to read off the little note that I made. And you'll see that some of this is on that sheet that I'm going or that infographic that I'm going to add at the end. Uh, but the mind, thinking, communication, siblings, I like this, social activity slash interest, neighbors, early education. So if the third house is early education, right, and this is going to make sense later, so I'm actually going to shut up and not say it right now. Um, the third house is all about the way that you communicate, your learning style, the way that you view the world, the way that you intellectualize life, right? Um, I was... I, I don't know if this is going to kind of like translate well, so maybe I should like gatekeep it, but um, it also has to do with like neighbors, the things that are like kind of close to home. So the third house is also what I what I call the learning style that you're kind of born with. This is not uh, this is not learned behavior. This is instinctive and kind of um, inherent behavior. Um, mine's in Scorpio, and I like the fact that the third house also calls into. Um, 
calls into question like your interests because growing up, I was very interested in the occult and Scorpio's all about that. I would read books about witchcraft. I would you know, read books about astrology, even though I was raised in a Christian home. My interests kind of spoke to the occult side of things. I liked death. I liked to learn about death. I even had a job at a crematory office. So that is my third house. I don't have any placements in my third house, but I do have a very Scorpio way of communicating. Um, I'm a person that likes to ask a lot of questions, um, which has been pointed out before. And I didn't realize just how much I do it, but a lot of that is because I'm trying to get to the bottom of something. So I don't take things at face value. I'm always looking for things that are kind of like hidden under the surface. So if you tell me, for example, I hear you sigh heavily, like the whole world rests on your shoulders and you go <sighs> around me and I'm like, what's wrong? And you're like, I'm fine. I'm going to keep asking because we both know that you're not fucking fine and we're going to get to the bottom of why you're not fine. And that's a very Scorpio way of communicating and thinking as well, too. Um, I Like I said, I don't take things at face value. So if somebody were to tell me something, my natural instinct is to kind of have that doubt and for a better word, for lack of a better word, like that paranoid um, perspective of what are they not telling me? But Scorpio uh, third house is also very useful because it is about uncovering the truth. It is about uncovering the hidden. So I could do very well in, in the field of psychology, for example, and sitting in front of a person that is trying to get to the root of their problems and kind of um, communicating with them in a way or, it, or kind of channeling an inquisitive energy that could perhaps allow them to make some... some um, some clarifications of the of, of their own personalities like by themselves um but yeah so the third house is all about communication it's about siblings too like and i think of my childhood having the third house in scorpio for me like i had my sister who would i love you natalie she would like snitch on me a lot so i had to hide a lot of things from my sister out of fear of what she would tell my parents um i wasn't very forthcoming with my sister when i was growing up either like if i had a boyfriend and i didn't want my parents to know i'd probably give my sister like 30% of the details so that the less she knew, you know, there was that plausible deniability for her. Um, and it's so funny that it rules over neighbors as well. Like I said, it's about close to the home, but it's like not in the home. It's kind of like around the home. And then early education, elementary school, middle school, high school even. So it's just, it's the learning that we did at home and close to home, right? But the neighbors, that's funny. I have it in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars and Pluto. Very rough planets. Um, Mars is all about aggression and drive and passion. It's very passionate and kind of like energy, right? And then you got Pluto, on the other hand, that can call in abuse and transformation and rebirth and death and transfer, you know, just transforming energy, period. They're very... Scorpio energy is very heavy in my opinion, but not in a bad way. It's just, it's kind of like they have like that responsibility of seeing the darkness and stuff. And all of my neighbors to this date have been either women abusers. I love the last apartment I was at. Um, I had a, a neighbor who would beat his dog and we literally have footage from our ring camera of him hitting the dog. And he like the, he hit the dog so hard that the dog like pissed from their door to the front of where we were, cause we were like right by the staircase. Um, if I hit my fucking elbow one more time, I swear to God, fucking rip your face off. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, so I've had neighbors that are very like noisy and there's always fighting and yelling around me. Um, that's always been a thing. Like, I mean, as far as like my childhood, I can't really speak on that because I didn't really pay attention to my neighbors back then, but 
like ever since being an adult, I've always been in like a home, even if I'm in a good area, like I always had neighbors that were like just weirdly suspicious, very like precarious situations would happen around me. Like, um, my last apartment aside from the dog abuser, which I tried to report, but I needed like more proof. Um, we had our downstairs neighbors that had like kids and the kids would be crying and they would be arguing and you could hear them being tossed around and hit and stuff. I called the cops multiple times. These bitches. And they never did anything. So, I mean, no surprise there. But that's kind of like what that third house um, energy can speak to. So just to recap, third house, traditionally ruled by Gemini. And it rules over the mind, thinking, communication, siblings, social activity, slash interests, early education. And let's move on to the fourth house. Okay, sorry. Fourth house on the traditional wheel is ruled by Cancer. Um, and you know, cancer itself is ruled by the moon. So we can already kind of see a little bit of the themes of the fourth house. Um, the fourth house has to do with the home, your roots, the family, uh, the mom or the mother femininity, and also children. Um, when we think of cancer, we think of like that female woman, feminine, not necessarily feminine being assigned to a gender, um, but just kind of like that feminine energy that everybody kind of talks about. Also, sidebar, I flipped my septum because the whole time I was recording before, my septum was like throwing gang signs and now it is no longer a distraction for the people that are watching this. Um, but yeah, so the fourth house is your roots, the home, family, mom, femininity, self-care, emotions, children, and women. So this has to do with who you are at home and how you can come home to yourself. That is why I mentioned that I would look to the second house and the fourth house for means of self-care. Meaning, um, you know, the fourth house is also going to represent your home environment, right? So who you are at home. So the way that you can come home to yourself, that was like a lot of redundancy, is, you know, that self-care, how to take care of yourself. Who is the person that took care of you? Um, in the general aspect, it's typically like the family. Um, and it's also your root. So it's really going to be that underground underlying theme of what makes you you um mine is in Sagittarius which I find hilarious because I actually started a family with a Sagittarius and I find myself attracting a lot of Sagittarius placements but um the way that I would interpret my Sagittarius fourth home um we moved around a lot and Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter which is the planet of expansion travel uh spiritual wisdom spiritual growth that sort of thing and we did move around a lot until around I was like 14 when I say moved around a lot, I'm saying like I was born in Puerto Rico. I came to Florida at turning eight. Um, excuse me. I lived in Poinciana for a year and then I moved to like Hunter's Creek. And then from there we moved to, um, what is it called? To back to Poinciana. And then as an adult, like I grew up, I, I moved around a lot as well. So like my home, um, is very Sagittarius like, you know, there's not really, um, like a central, focus. I, I've been kind of everywhere. I lived in Oklahoma for a couple of months when I went to the army. Um, and that's kind of been the recurring theme for me. Uh, but the fourth house is also going to call 
into attention, like the family system that you're part of as well. Mine is in Sagittarius. And I feel like I lived in a home where like spiritual advancement was of utmost priority of utmost importance. Um, I had a dad who was, I don't like to say that my dad is religious, but like, that's like the way that I could describe it to you guys. But he was very spiritual, had a close relationship with God. And, you know, we, we grew up Christian. So that is interesting in itself because, uh, Jupiter is about that spiritual learning too. I also think that, um, I, I forgot what tweet it was, but it was, somebody had said like, if you had a uh, 4,000 Sagittarius, cause Sagittarius placements are known to be very like blunt and direct, um, and kind of like that moral superiority, but it translates also to like, I, I heard somebody say, um, having your fourth house in Sagittarius means like you grew up constantly being roasted or being like the butt of the joke. And I think that's hilarious because it's true. Like in my family, our love language was kind of like that, like playful bullying. Um, but that that's not really like astrological. I just thought that that was a cool little reference or like a little direct relation that somebody else had made. Um, but for my fourth house as well, like I was also a very, like I wasn't sheltered to the point where like I didn't know how the world operated. Like that wasn't necessarily my truth. Um, but I feel like, in my home life, I, you know, I used to get punished a lot. So I was always grounded. I didn't really get to do a lot either. Um, so I kind of had that like Sagittarius urge of, of breaking free and getting that freedom from, uh, the rules of, of my home life as well. But I think that the Sagittarius fourth, fourth house for me speaks mostly to the way that I've never really had like a, um, like one point that I could say, okay, that was my childhood home. Like, I don't really have that. I just have like periods of time that I can correlate my living situation to. And, and as an adult, I've moved from Kissimmee to Orlando, to Winter Park, to Maitland, back to Kissimmee, you know, now back in Orlando. So it's just kind of being everywhere, um, but still being close to like where I grew up, which is Kissimmee. Um, but the fourth house is, is pretty self-explanatory. It can also dictate the relationship that you have with your mother, um, just like a, a cancer moon would, or like your moon sign would. Um, my relationship with my mom has significantly improved as we have gotten distance between us, as I've left home, as I've left where I come from. And now there's that distance, that kind of like, you know, expansion projection energy of Sagittarius. I'm over here and you're over there. Like my relationship with her has improved a lot. Um, femininity and all of that. I do want to just say, I don't see masculine energy or feminine energy as a gendered thing. It's actually about your receptability. So like, I feel like feminine energy, if you look at an outlet, for example, and let's say I'm plugging in my computer charger, the charger, like the plug itself is masculine energy. It's that giving it's, um, it's kind of like more of like on the aggressive side. Aggressive is not the word I'm looking for, but it's, um, you know, kind of like the cardinal, kind of like the cardinal energy, and that's going to be important. So keep that in your back pocket, because Cancer, the traditional ruler of the fourth of the fourth house, is cardinal water. Um, so it's like that cardinal energy of you know starting something, being the first, giving, 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 and then you have the outlet itself where you're plugging in the charger into. That's feminine energy. It's receiving. It is um, taking something in and making something out of it, right? Like you plug the charger in. That is a, a okay science. That is a conductor for electricity. Now your computer is charging. That is what a what a female anatomy would do, right? You take a, you take, um, 
this is going to be really gross and really graphic, but you know, we take semen and then that fertilizes our eggs. And then we house this child in our womb until, you know, 40, 41 weeks. And then boom, like now there's a baby. So femininity is about creation. It's about creativity and fertility is not necessarily just about pregnancy. It's about the, the fruition of plans and ideas. So I just wanted to put that out there as a disclaimer. I don't see femininity as like a woman and man thing. And I know I used a very gendered example, but I'm simply trying to give you um, an example of why it's been called feminine slash masculine. Um, so that's really cool. So it's also your relationship with femininity. And I feel like I've I've talked about this on a on an episode, I feel, and it was about how I feel like I know I'm a woman but I have very masculine attributes as well. So like I might even dress a little bit more on the masculine side, but I'm very much like I'm a woman. That is my, my gender identity is a woman for now, I guess. But there is that fluidity and that is very Sagittarius too because Sagittarius is a mutable placement. I'm going back to my placement of the fourth house in Sagittarius. Um, but yes, to call back fourth house. And this is really interesting because the house directly across from it is Capricorn, which is, you know, each house, the house across from it is a sister sign. Um, and the house across from the fourth house is the 10th. And it is ruled by Capricorn, which is also a cardinal sign, but it's a cardinal earth sign. So again, it's also like that dichotomy, that feminine and masculine energy. Um, so that's kind of a way to describe the fourth house. For me, it showed up a lot more in the in the physical sense of like us not really like staying in one place for long. We kind of just like moved around a lot. And I'm, I'm also living um, away from my home, like my birthplace. I'm living in Florida when I was born in Bayamón. Like, you know what I'm saying? So there is that very much Jupiter, you know, you were here and now you're over there type of thing. So Fourth house, again, traditionally ruled by Cancer, which is a moon-ruled sign. So you got to think about all the things that the moon deals with, emotions, um, the mother, feminine energy, um, children, so the home, family. That's what the fourth house has to do with. So that's the area of life that you would look to if you want to remedi remediate excuse me, your relationship with your family, right? Let's say you have a fourth house in Scorpio, right? You might have family, you might have a family that kept a lot of secrets from each other. Um, you might have even been the the secret bearer of the family. Um, let's say you have an Aquarius fourth house. You probably had, for example, something outside of the norm. Like perhaps you were raised by same sex parents or something like that. Something that we don't traditionally look at as this is what the head of the family looks like. And these are the children, that kind of thing. Cause you know, you do have Aquarius energy does have Uranus um, kind of influencing it, which is sudden and abrupt changes and advancements and technology. You know, it's kind of like the not traditional thing. So it just, it depends on what sign inhabits your fourth house. And that's what you want to take a look at to kind of uh, see what kind of energy you're tapping into as far as family is concerned. Sorry, y'all. I had to like pause for a second because my computer was um, giving me a low battery notice and Mercury retrograde has been molly whopping me since it went into retrograde. So, <laughs> so I just had to make sure that I didn't end the conversation there. So I kind of rushed through that, but I hope that that made sense. And I hope that um, that kind of gave you a little bit more of an understanding of what the fourth house represents. Um, and also fourth house too is a little secretive as well because it's who you are at home and it's who you, who your family has seen grow up. And that's not necessarily usually 
the same person that perhaps your friends or like your partners have seen grow up. So the fact that it's self-care too, it's kind of turning that energy inward, going back home to yourself. I never actually even made the connection of the fact that like I was born someplace, but I live here too. Like, like Sagittarius is the ruler of the ninth house and I'm going to get into that. Um, but the ninth house also has to do with like cross-cultural relations as well too. So I came from being in Puerto Rico, which is like the, the mainland being Puerto Rican myself, um, to coming to Florida where thank God, like we ended up in a, in an area that's predominantly Hispanic, but it is outside of the cultural norm because of where I was born. So that's it. That's the fourth house. So let's move on to the fifth house. Obviously I have a personal love for the fifth house because it is ruled by Leo. Um, and the fifth house is really interesting because it's kind of like a jam pack sort of thing of all the things that make us creative and, and, you know, kind of like passionate, right? Um, the fifth house is also the house of the inner child. Um, and like it, rep it can represent our childhood. So look, the fourth house kind of builds off of the fifth house. The, and as you, as we go through the wheel, you'll see even more just how much these houses work off of each other. Like who are you, right? That's number one. What is valuable to you? Number two, that's what makes you you. Then three, how do you communicate? Four, where do you come from? You know what I'm saying? And then five, who were you when you were there, basically? Um, so the fifth house speaks to the inner child, self-expression, creativity, romance, sex drive, joy, all that, right? So think of it. It's ruled by Leo. Leo's a highly creative sign, and it's all about drama and look at me. You know, it's a sun ruled sign. So it's literally the center of attention. So the fifth house is where you shine, right? So being that it's also to do with like romance, I see the fifth house very similar to the seventh house, except the seventh house is like, I saw this on a tweet, but I've said this before. The seventh house is like, marriage obviously but the fifth house is like that high school sweetheart right so this is very like young romance this is kind of like the way you like to be courted you know um and it also has to do not necessarily with sex drive but with your sex life or um Oh, well, yeah, sex drive, because it does have to do with romance and creativity so like what areas are you creative in um joy what things brought you joy as a child you'll probably find them as in the fifth house um who were you as a child and this is funny because um as a child I was always praised for being I just bit my tongue I was praised for being like very um adult at a young age not not praised I'm sorry like people used to always say she's so smart for her age she's so she's so wise beyond her years like that was something that was celebrated my intelligence and like the way that it went beyond my age was something that was celebrated not only at home but also with others like my my parents would take us out or something and we'd go uh, visit extended family and extended family would be like wow she's just so grown like she's so smart look at her talking with the adults guess what my fifth house is you guessed it because you're already following along with the order um capricorn <laughs> such a saturnian sign this is such a heavy heavy is not the right word i don't want to make any capricorns feel bad but saturn is kind of like the grandpa you know like he's very he's a very disciplined stoic individual saturn also breeds results so don't get me wrong saturn can be good but saturn is heavy sorry lack of a better word it is a heavier energy so me having this capricorn fifth house for example and i don't have any personal placements in capricorn 
as you can see, it is full. No cap. I have no cap in my chart. That was not funny. Um, and I, I'm quitting after this episode. Um, so having a Capricorn fifth house. So of course, like I did comment already about the fact that like adults would praise me for my intelligence. Right. But also I grew up very fast. Um, some things were out of my control. Some things happened to me. Some things I chose for myself, but I grew up very fast. So like, I remember being like six or seven or eight and kind of having this complicated understanding of the world. Um, not because I, I think I'm some savant, but because I just had a clearer lens than like other children. Like some children kind of lived in that bubble of being a child. Whereas like I was very aware of the world and the problems, you know what I'm saying? And that wasn't for a lack of my mom trying to keep me away from it, it just simply like that is just my predisposition. I was very awake and aware at a very young age. So kind of having that Saturn ruled fifth house. I also want to make the connection to like even with the podcast, um, I've been sitting on these episodes for shit like a month. Um, and the reason I haven't released them is because I haven't perfected them. So being that Saturn is so mature and so like about that finish line, um, I, I feel that my artistic or like my creative endeavors, I take them so seriously that I will like delay myself because I'm like, it's not perfect yet. I can't put it out there. And being that Capricorn rules over that 10th house of like legacy and public image, you know, and I am a Leo, so I am concerned with ego as well. It's a very like kind of like prominent placement of Capricorn in my chart because it kind of, it can stifle me as far as creative measures go because I'm too busy on really getting it perfect before I bring it out into the world because I am very hard on myself when it comes to artistic stuff. Like right now, my battery is once again dying. I'm not sure what's going on with the battery pack, but it's not charging properly. And it's freaking me out that I've been recording. And as I say that, literally my camera dies. So, you know, it, it sucks because I've been recording since like 9 a.m. and now it's one and I've had to take several breaks because of all the technology issues that I've been having today. Hello, Mercury Retrograde. But, you know, it, it and I'm going to keep um, recording without the audio. I mean, without the video. Sorry, guys, I got to get this done. I'm tired. And point is, is that I do kind of obsess over little details, but it might not seem like it to other people because they're like, oh, but you put that out when, you know, Soli's mic messed up and you still put it out. And it's because I'm like, I felt an obligation, you know, like kind of like, no, we said we were going to do this. So we need to do this type of thing, which is also very Saturnian. Um, but that's the fifth house. The fifth house has, it, it talks about all of that. Your inner child, um, sex, sex drive, not sex, but romance, self-expression, creativity, joy, all the things that bring you joy. You want to do some inner child healing, look at your fifth house and see what planet, um, rules it based off of the sign. Um, and look up remediation techniques for that sign and see what makes you happy by looking at your fifth house as well. So that's the fifth house traditionally ruled by Leo and it is concerning all of those themes. So let's move on to the sixth house and the sixth house is um, ruled by Virgo, which is another mercurial sign just like Gemini. And Virgo, though, the way that it channels Mercury is very different. So Virgo has to do, or I'm sorry, the sixth house has to do with, um, you know, health, 
fitness, um, routine, pets, your workplace, or maybe even like the type of job that you need. Um, open enemies as well. So people that you know don't like you. <laughs> and and it also can indicate your relationship with your coworkers, although that could also be an 11th house thing or even a 10th house thing. But I do think that the 6th house, if it rules open enemies, then I believe that like it can also include your coworkers or the type of workplace, right? And that includes the people that you work with. Um, so let's, for example, say that you have a... Let's see. That you have... Um, I'm trying to think of like a good one to give you guys an example. Um, let's say you have a Libra 6th house, right? Um, it's really self-explanatory and kind of like, uh, an obvious stereotype that, you know, Libra rules over law and, and, um, justice, right? So, you know, I could see somebody with a sixth house in Libra and ask them if they're interested in legal pursuits, like, you know, being a lawyer, being a judge, um, some sort of social ad advocate type of position, social work, things that have to do with that, like, Libra and Virgo are very similar because it's kind of like we care about others, but Libra is more on like the loving side, whereas Virgo is more on the fixing side. So I see Libra sixth house, like somebody that wants to advocate for like the underdog. So I working with children, maybe working with, um, senior citizens, but advocating for their rights. So, because again, Libra does rule over that justice system. Um, I personally have an Aquarius sixth house. So what that means is that I require a job that allows me to flow in that Aquarian energy. So what does that mean, Angelica? That means this. I It's really interesting because I just um, got into a new position at work. I start next, next week. I start on Valentine's Day, which is funny. But, um, you know, it's this job where I'm, I'm going to have more time to focus on the podcast and focus on my child and focus on the relationships that I hold near and dear, the very few that I still have. Um, but more importantly, my boss said something to me and she's like, you know what? You, I want to see you doing business. I want to see you being a business analyst, which that for us is like kind of bringing ideas for continuous improvement in the company and stuff like that. And that's Aquarius. Aquarius is very um, science-minded, right? It's it's about the 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 future and technology and trying to move the collective forward. So having an Aquarius sixth house means I need to be in a position where I can go ahead and you know allow that creativity for the improvement of my company or my workplace. Um, and also, even though Aquarius is co-ruled by Saturn traditionally, it's 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 ruled by Uranus and by Saturn. Um, it, it's like Aquarius is the discipline of Saturn and kind of like the relentlessness of Saturn with, coupled with the abrupt and kind of ever-changing ways of Uranus and it's this beautiful blend and that's exactly the type of workplace that I should be looking for one that does give me that routine and kind of like that structure structure is the word I should use um but it allows me to still have creativity and keep it fresh keep it moving um but that's kind of like more on the like the routines and workplace and health right so like let's talk about health in Aquarius six house uh, to use myself as an example mental health is of utmost importance I should be doing light exercise. I should be doing yoga, kind of like esoteric slash fitness t sort of stuff. Um, also, Aquarius rules over the circulatory system. And not too long ago, I was still on ADHD meds, which have now really fucked with my, like, my, not my blood pressure, but, like, my circulation. So, like, my feet are, like, insanely cold versus the rest of my body. 
Um, so I have to be very careful of that. And it also rules over like the, 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 the shins, right? I remember being in the military and, um, because of marching, you're marching pretty much everywhere that you can't take a bus to, or that you don't have to take a bus to. Um, and I would get like a lot of pain in my shins, which is very common. Like shin splints in the military are very common. You have to tie your shoes the correct way, but that like, that is an area of weakness for me based off of the sixth house. So that's something that I could look at to kind of remediate. Um, but the sixth house is more than just health and fitness. It's also rules over pets and kind of like that service, right? So I've, you know, it's not really like a gotcha moment or a hot take to think that uh, Taurus should be working on plants <laughs> and Virgo should be working on pets. And I remember having a conversation, I don't remember with who, um, because this person was like, oh, you should have more plants in your house. And I'm like, I don't have a green thumb. And they're like, how? You're a Virgo. Are you? Well, I'm a Virgo rising. You're a Virgo rising and a Virgo Venus. And then I realized, no, like, that's not my ministry. My ministry is animals, right? So I have, like, two cats. Before this, I had um, a roommate that had two cats as well. And I was taking care of one of my friend's cats when I first got Celeste. So we had a house full of four cats. Like I've always been around animals growing up. Like I had dogs, but now I feel like my animal of choice is, um, having a cat, but especially if you have personal placements in the sixth house, um, if you have a six house Venus, for example, I definitely recommend getting an animal. Um, and just to tie it back to like my chart to give you guys an example of how I interpret, um, being that my sixth house is an Aquarius, like that could mean that I could have like very like abnormal pets, like not a cat and a dog, which obviously I have two cats, but I could have like more, um, eccentric pets like a parrot or like you know an exotic animal of some sort and it's interesting because literally last night I went out with I went out with my dad to dinner with Joseph and I told him I've always wanted an axolotl I can't I think I said it right um and it's this you guys can look it up it's a-x-o-l-o-t-l I'm gonna look it up and you guys are probably gonna hear google pronounce it and it's because I want to make sure I've been saying it right um Let's see. If I said it right, I want everybody to give me one dollar. Bitch. Axolotl. Ah, per. So I said it right. So I've always wanted one of those. And it's like a water salamander. And it's so cute. It has a little smile. It's so cute. If you guys have ever seen it, please go Google A-X-O-L-O-T-L. And if you've ever seen Bojack Horseman, that's Todd's girlfriend. I forgot her name. I forgot her name, but uh, she was also an axolotl, um, and I just love them. They're so cute and slimy, and I've always wanted, like, that, you know, that's a very eccentric pet. Like, what person wakes up and goes, I think I want an axolotl? No, just Angelica, but that's that, that kind of calls into attention the whole, like, Aquarius ruling over the sixth house. So how do other placements, for example, fall into the sixth house, and how do they behave? If you follow me on Instagram, I briefly broke down Whitney Houston's chart, and she has a sixth house um, Venus and her husband, Bobby was in the entertainment industry as well. in the same line of work that she was in, um, which I find so funny because, you know, the six house Venus are rumored to find their partners through work. But I also see it as too, as like, um, depending on where your six house is, 
I'm not going to say that. That's stupid. I'm going to keep it to myself. But that's a that's a good way of looking at that as well. A son in sixth house, you could be very, um, you're a person that might need routines to stay on track, to, to keep yourself centered. Um, having Mars in the sixth house, um, work might be really important to you. And you might be driven by kind of like finding that structure within your life. Um, but Venus in the sixth house for sure is notorious for um, that, finding your your partner in a workplace setting or in where you work or even meeting them at their place of employment um but for Whitney Houston specifically her sixth house if I'm not if I'm not wrong was in Leo I just got to double check it yep Leo and she was a Leo as well so she had her son and Venus in there so she was a six house leo son right and her art it, leo rules over the arts as well so literally her son was in the arts her ego her essence was in the arts and then she has her venus in the arts as well so um and then they're all in the 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 house of of work and routines like of course she would go on to be this amazing singer and this extremely popular singer cuz she's got both leo Right. And kind of like still that Virgo influence because of it being in the sixth house. That's how it manifested for her. She was she's an icon. Even even after after her death, she's still an icon. Um, so that's a good way of looking at it as well. Um, so let's say what else? So besides that, hold on, guys. Give me like two seconds because I don't know what I just did. I'm like looking something up because I want to make sure that I'm putting the right information out there because I'm now I'm like doubting myself because the chart that I just saw for Whitney Houston to like double down on what I just said was um, in Placidus. So I couldn't really read it very well, but I promise I remember looking it up and I remember talking about it on my Instagram. So I'm just going to go with what I said for the first time. And if I'm wrong, fight me. Um, and that is the sixth house. So again, just to clarify, the sixth house is traditionally ruled by Virgo and it rules over health routines, pets, workplace slash job, um, open enemies. And I do also see coworkers as well, or the type of coworkers that you have, um, because it has to do with the workplace. Um, so let's move on to the seventh. So the seventh house, this is an important house because this is your house of relationships, um, both committed and kind of just confirmed relationships. So your business partners, your romantic relationships, friends, um, that sort of thing. But a really interesting interpretation of the seventh house, and I wish that my camera was working so I could show you guys right now, um, but the house across from the seventh house is the first, so the house of self. So if the house across from this house of relationships is the house of self, we can kind of understand that the seventh house is the house of others as well, right? But... Somebody once said that the seventh house can also be looked at as your shadow self, the things that we don't show, because th th this is who you are in relationships or the type of relationships that you um, attract. So I thought that that was a really good take as well, because, for example, I have Virgo in my first house, right? That's my rising and Pisces in my seventh. And the really not great parts about my personality, if I had to put them out there, is the fact that I'm kind of an escape artist. I'm very heavily rooted in escapism, which is very Piscean in nature. I've also struggled with um, addiction. And, you know, Pisces is ruled by Neptune, which is the planet that rules over drugs and alcohol. Um, and I've kind of had to struggle with those escapist habits coupled with addiction. Um, I was heading down a very, 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 very tumultuous path. So... 
I do find that very cool. And also Pisces um, in itself can can be very, like, I do tend to play the victim a little bit. Um, and that's definitely very much like my shadow self. But specifically, let's talk about the house of relationships. So the seventh house, like I said, will talk about your interpersonal style. So who you are in relationships and what works best in relationships for you. And also like kind of the relationships that you attract. Um, to give myself as the example, I have a Pisces seventh house, excuse me, seventh house, right? All of my partners have been very artistic. The either, they either play an instrument or they do photography or they're a producer, you know, like it's, they've always been very artistic and Pisces is very artistic and creative. Um, and I've also, um, my interpersonal style, if I have to be real here is very, um, how do I put this? I have a very codependent type of way of, you know, kind of like no boundaries sort of thing. And if you remember from the first episode, we talked about how Venus is exalted in Pisces because it's like this boundless, beautiful, empathetic love. Right. Um, so I do kind of attract a lot of um, relationships where I I end up lacking a lot of boundaries in in the effort of very much like Pisces sister sign Virgo, um, of being in service to others to the point of um, forgetting about myself in the process. Kind of like that undoing energy of the, we'll get there. Uh, but the seventh house, again, is the is the house of also contracts and marriage. So it can denote like the type of spouse. And also when it says contracts though, I'm not, I'm going to be real with you guys. I really don't know how to apply that. So I'm not going to speak on that too, too much because I'd be guessing at this point. And although, yes, it is an intuitive practice, I also don't want to arm you with confusing information so that you think I'm right. And then you're kind of going through your astrology practice, um, parroting that. And then you realize this bitch was wrong. But um, yeah, the seventh house is all about relationships. It is traditionally ruled by Libra, which I forgot to mention. And what did we talk about Libra? Libra is very like we and us and, you know, it's all about other people and advocating for other people. So this seventh house has to do with the things that Libra deals with as well. Um, so just to recap, seventh house, relationships, marriage, contracts, business partners, equality. Hello, Libra interpersonal style and again Libra too because there's that balance there's that give and take of relationships um and that is the seventh house so now we're going to move on to the eighth house and this is where it starts to get really interesting the eighth house has to do with shared resources merging you know kind of like coming together um sex and the sexual organs um transformation death rebirth um Inheritance, so that's actually why the 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 death association has been made. Um, taxes, mystery slash occult. So the eighth house has to do with the the value that we get from others. So let's look at the house that's directly across from it. It's the second house of self worth, finances, self worth, self self self. Do you guys remember when I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Taurus? I was like the things that we give value to on a personal level all right so the eighth house traditionally ruled by scorpio which is taurus's sister sign is the things that people have invested in us right the value that pe other people have given us um shared resources so this can also denote like if we're talking about the seventh house being marriage and the eighth house can talk about what it will look like as far as finances go um with your relationships how you will um 
kind of merge resources. And I have both my moon and my Saturn here. So I do have moon conjunct, meaning that they're in the same sign. Moon conjunct Saturn in the eighth house of Aries. Um, that's on my chart. So it's a really cool part about the eighth house. A lot of people are afraid of it. Honestly, I used to really, really, really hate my eighth house moon um, because it does come with its challenges of, you know, mental illness and not being super forthcoming about your um, emotions and kind of like that suffering and silence thing because Scorpio is very private, you know. Um, and I used to hate it, but now I look at it as 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 my biggest tool of relation because I do have that eighth house energy with my moon where I'm able to kind of pick up on other people's feelings and and be able to kind of get to the bottom of why somebody feels the way that they do but it makes it difficult for me because I don't have that visibility for myself like I'm it's very hard for me to sit down and talk about the rough feelings like I can be very open about things that I've already kind of processed so you'll hear me talk about my depression in a very matter of fact way in a very direct way you know Martian uh very you know straight to the point like let's get to it let's get to it um Scorpio in itself is also very Martian as well because it's Mars and Pluto um but I find it very difficult to explain things as I'm going through them which I think points a lot to my Saturn in Aries as well too because I I almost have the the burden of learning how to slow down right Saturn is about restriction and um it's all about that and I personally like the eighth house because I thrive in the shadows <laughs> I do thrive in the shadows and I'll get into it a little bit more when we hit the 12th house but I'm gonna make a very quick relation to the 12th house with the eighth but I'm not gonna do it now I was gonna say so remind me like you guys are here um but yeah the eighth house is all about the occult as well too so it's all about these these taboo topics what do we think is taboo for example in in our homes like what is something we probably didn't discuss a lot um sex right so this is really your sex life like your eighth house can like especially if you know somebody that has their mars in the eighth house like girl is giving very much kinky. I'm just kidding. That's a very pop astrology way of looking at it. But um, if you have any personal placements in the eighth house, like don't don't panic. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's just that you're going to you're going to experience a lot of that Plutonian energy of transformation more so than your peers. So like for me, my Moon and my Saturn. So my maturation and my emotions are in this house of 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 the occult and the hidden and mystery and all this stuff. And that just means that I'm going to consistently be in a state of rebirth. You know, like that joke of like, yeah, I deleted my tweet. I'm not the same person I was seven minutes ago. Yeah, I felt that because that's how it is. Like, there's a lot of things that emotionally I've had to transform over the last shit the last year the way that I related to the world and the way that I I kind of understood and felt my way through the world was very um interesting to say the least and I feel like now I have transformed a lot um having my Saturn in the eighth house as well since it's about merged like merging and like shared finances I feel like Saturn in the eighth house also calls to kind of like a warning or a disclaimer to be very aware of not becoming dependent on others 
or even your relationship with dependence. Like you could be on the opposite spectrum and you're hyper independent. Mine is an Aries, so I could come off very hyper independent. But in reality, all I want is to be taken care of. Um, so that's kind of how that works um, as far as like personal placements are. I know somebody who's a son in the eighth house and they're just starting like their like their spiritual journey right now. And they have, you know, a sister who's a medium. And I'm like, dude, you've been literally surrounded by the occult all the time. And like she's had a lot of really, really transformational periods in her life and transformational um, occurrences in her life. People passing like really just loss, loss and a lot of transformation, a lot of abrupt and heavy energy as well in that eighth house and she's an eighth house son. And so, you know, I, I do think about that as well too. You just have to look at what planet is in that house and kind of see how, okay, this planet stands for this. And then this house is represented by this sign and this sign kind of behaves in this way. And then you kind of do two plus two and then you get four. Sometimes if you're like me, you get five, but, um, yeah, that's the eighth house. Um, it also rules over jail apparently like sentences but again I feel like that's kind of all tied into that umbrella term of taboo the taboo like we don't really like if you got arrested tomorrow for some crazy shit like I'm I know for a fact you're not gonna go out there and with a with a freaking what's that thing called the thing that you like hold over your mouth and it's like bull is it a bullhorn man fuck it um and you're not gonna announce right so these are the things that we intentionally keep hidden and these are the hidden things that we do have a chance of uncovering um, because it's mystery. It's not, <sighs> I want to make the relation so bad, but I'm going to shut up and wait. Um, but that is the eighth house. So the eighth house, again, shared resources, sex, because again, Scorpio is the traditional ruler of the eighth house and Scorpio rules over the genitals and the reproductive systems. Uh, transformation, death, rebirth, uh, inheritance, taxes, mystery, slash occult. And that is the eighth house. Um, so let's move on to the ninth house. Uh, mine's in Taurus, but the traditional rulership of the ninth house is Sagittarius. And if you remember earlier, I did mention this. So the ninth house being ruled by Sagittarius means that it's a Jupiter-ruled house traditionally. So that means that we are looking into all things Jupiter-related. And what is that? That is going to be travel, um, wisdom, higher learning, spiritual lessons, cross-cultural relations um the house right across from it is the third house in gemini remember the communication early education if the third house is early education meaning elementary school middle school high school the ninth house is college if you apply that to life it's like the third house is the things that you learned in the home and the things that you were born with knowing the ninth house is the things that you probably are going to be focused on unlearning and relearning and kind of learning for the first time ever as you leave home because now you're an adult and you're like a fully formed adult and you're learning things. So if the third house is early education, the ninth house is life's college. Um, and it also speaks to travel and cross-cultural relations. So like somebody with their Venus in the ninth house um, probably will find um, a partner or a lover overseas. Like... Um, while in travel like let's say somebody goes to Italy and they fall in love over there they might have like a ninth house Venus or even a Sagittarius Venus um and also cross-cultural relations right so they might even date somebody outside of their ethnic background um that's a good interpretation of the ninth house um Venus uh, let's say a ninth house son somebody who will really get to know themselves when they leave home somebody who will really get to know themselves by traveling and experiencing things outside of what they were taught 
kind of learning for themselves. I do have my ninth house in Taurus, so I have a very fixed way. Um, and I feel like I'm going to probably struggle a little bit with unlearning certain things because I'm very, um, I do have that like fixed element um, in my ninth house. But my ninth house, I also thought of it like this. The most in, impactful lessons I have learned in life have been the ones that I have felt how do I put this? Okay, so I I don't take advice well. Like I could ask for advice and I could take into account the insight that somebody has given me, but I'm a person that I have to live it to know it, right? That's very Taurus-like. It's very fixed. Like nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, they, they call Taurus stubborn, but it's not really stubborn. They're just like they have to figure it out for themselves. Like I've had Taurus placements that I've tried to give advice to, unwarranted sometimes and sometimes in a way solicited. And they straight up are like, yeah, I'm going to do the opposite because they're that energy is very much, I, it has to make sense to me first before I do it. Like, hello, Taurus rules over the second house of values and self-esteem and self-worth. So if it's not valuable to them, they're not doing it. So having my ninth house in Taurus means that the, the, these really impactful lessons that I'm going to learn, this spiritual growth that I'm going to encounter, it's going to happen at my rate. <laughs> Nobody can help me with it. It's something that I have to figure out for myself, right? So like, let's say you have um, a Capricorn ninth house, then you'll probably get a lot of your expansion and learning from like male authoritative figures, like a boss. Like maybe you'll have some sort of like internship with a, a CEO where you're like, holy shit, I look up to this person. This is how I, I learn how to get to where I want to get to because now I'm rubbing elbows with somebody like this. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the ninth house and it does indicate travel. Um, mine's in Taurus, which I feel like I... I'm going to keep that to myself. So never mind, guys. But yeah, ninth house, traditionally ruled by Sagittarius, which is a Jupiter sign. So we already know Jupiter is about uh, expansion, growth, learning, uh, religious, like spiritual growth as well, too. So if you want to look at how to kind of jumpstart your spiritual progress or to see what is the way that I learned these lessons, like how how can I get to these lessons a little Quicker is not the word, but a little, how can I streamline my process? Um, look to your ninth house, and that's what's going to show you how you absorb kind of like that that, that spiritual education that you're learning now um, in, in your process. So for me, with Taurus, I, I now realize that it's something that I have to go through myself, something that I have to feel myself so that I can feel like, okay, yeah, this is the correct decision or this is the correct way of looking at life for me because I felt it. I know it in my heart of hearts, you know, um, very fixed. But yes, so now we're going to move on to the 10th house, which is your house of career. And it is ruled by Capricorn. And if you remember, the house of the home and the family are ruled by who? Cancer. And Cancer's sister sign is Capricorn. So you could expect that everything that the fourth house is, the opposite of that is going to be the 10th house. So if the fourth house represents you at home, the 10th house represents you in the public eye. So being that it's ruled by Capricorn, right, and you got Saturn, so it's all about diligence and, and discipline and, and structure and strategy, that sort of thing. This is the house of career, um, long-term goals, public image, your legacy, and it does represent men, 
fathers, masculinity, experts, and fame. And this is interesting because I did make this uh, correlation not so long ago because I am seeing a Capricorn. Um, Capricorns and Leos have kind of like very similar um, levels of ego, except that Leo, it's like effortless, right? Because we're ruled by the sun. So automatically, like very much Britney Spears circus, all eyes on me on the center of the ring, just like very much, right? Like it's it's not something that we have to try hard to do. But... On the, on the flip side of that, you have Capricorn ego is not necessarily like they, they, <laughs> they're full of themselves, right? Like what the stereotype is for Leo. It's that Capricorn with Saturn's influence, they're hard workers, right? So they're all about being the best that they can be at whatever they're passionate about. And trust me, I see that in play in my relationship with Alex, for example, like there's been times where he gets up and he's like, I I does this. And I'm like, ew, enough. But I recognize that it's not arrogance. It's actually confidence in knowing, no, I have worked so hard to perfect my craft, right? Because it's, it's all about that public image, um, much like Leo is too, like very like public and drama and self-expression, except that like Capricorns is channeled more so like through discipline. It's like, no, like I have earned my stripes. Like I have a degree in this, Angelica. Of course I'm good at what I do. It, that's kind of like the conversations that we have. Whereas like, you know, that Leo energy is very much like, well, I'm just the best. I'm just kidding. We're not all like that, I think. But um, a lot of people have the stereotype that Capricorns are workaholics, and that's where I want to dismantle that. They're not workaholics. They're striving per for perfection because they recognize that they, they're trying to be the best in what they do. It's not to be the best because of ego, but to be the best because of like that Saturnian influence. Like I want to be the best because I want to know that I put in the work and the diligence and the discipline to be an expert, right? So the 10th house for me is in Gemini. Um, so that's really interesting because what am I doing right now? I am loud as hell in your ear or in your car or on your computer or while you're taking a shit on the toilet you're listening to me right now and if I caught you shitting on the toilet I told you I was fucking psychic look at you about to wipe your ass and here I am watching you you're listening to me but I'm in your walls bitch I'm just kidding so I have my 10th house in Gemini which means that I'd do really well with a career in communication. I used to uh, think I could be really good at marketing or I could be really good at like public relations, but now I realize that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like my whole podcast is me talking. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's the three of us talking and in Gemini is about communication, right? So not only is my uh, MC, which is your, your Midhaven, which is your 10th house, the highest point of your chart, Think of it as the pinnacle of your success, right? The top of the mountain is in Gemini. It's also at a Leo degree. My MC is at, uh, at five degrees, which is a Leo degree. So I am supposed to be doing some sort of like media work in a Leo fashion. And then here I go and I create a podcast. So that's the really cool part about astrology. You start to see little things like that really in play in your life. Um, but that's pretty self-explanatory. The 10th house um, is really all about that hard work. Like I, I have the mental image in my head of like, um, that little girl from holes. Uh, I'm tired, grandpa. Well, that's too damn bad. Keep digging. That's Saturn. <laughs> that is fucking Saturn. And that is your 10th house. That is where you keep digging basically. 
Um, but yes, the 10th house, traditionally ruled by Capricorn, um, and it is the house of career, the house of public image, the house of experts, um, and kind of all things to do with career and public image. Um, your goals, your legacy. I do call it the legacy house because this is who you will be even after you expire. So, yeah, 10th house. So let's move on to the 11th house. And the 11th house is traditionally ruled by Aquarius. And this is the reason why I call Aquarius cult leaders. And it's because the 11th house is a house of the collective, you know, of groups, of social awareness, friends, um, excuse me, I had a burp, but it didn't come out. And also humani humanitarianism or humanitarian efforts. Um, Aquarius, like I've said already a couple of times um, during this episode, is all about science and the advancement of the collective, right? So with that being said, it, Aquarius energy is all about pushing forward the the society, right? Where Leo is about self-expression, Aquarius is about helping the collective express itself. Um, and while Leo is the inner child and it's self, 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 me, 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 Aquarius really is we. So Libra is us. Aquarius is we. And what does that mean? Libra is us actually because it's a relationship where I still benefit. Whereas Aquarius is we work together for a common goal. That's how I see it. I hope that makes sense. And if it doesn't, I'm sorry, guys. But it can um, kind of show you, you know, if the 10th house is your career, then the 11th house is who you're going to do it with or the people that are going to be watching you do it. So your friends and your, and your social groups, kind of like that social awareness. Like um, you could see your 11th house and, and look at the type of friendships that you attract. Mine is in cancer. And I do have a lot of uh, female friends. And I don't have many mom friends, which I think is like where I'm lacking. But I also do have, I do attract mom friends. Not like friends that are moms, but the mom friend archetype. Like the ones that take care of everybody else instead of taking care of themselves. That sort of friend archetype is what I typically attract. Um, and that's usually who I am in relationships as well too, or friendships. Um, but yeah, the 11th house house of friendship, house of social awareness, humanitarianism efforts. Like for me having cancer in the 11th house, I would do really well with working with children. Like I should be doing something for the children. You know, like if I want to serve the collective, if I want to serve society, I should really be working with kids. Um, and all things to do with cancer too. Also working with women, working with, uh, I, I don't know if you guys have, well, I don't know who's listening to this, but if you followed me on Instagram a couple years back, I was really wanting to do an event, um, at like a woman's like domestic violence shelter. I've always wanted to work with abuse victims, um, and kind of like go there and like uplift them. Like we don't have to talk about your abuse. We don't have to sit here and psychoanalyze you. Like maybe you just need a day to be taken care of and pampered. I've always wanted to do that, but I just haven't had the resources to. So if anybody knows how to make that happen, um, hit me up. But yeah, that's the 11th house. It is traditionally ruled by Aquarius and it rules over um, social, like social groups, friends, social awareness, humanitarianism, and like technology, advancement, the collective, um, all of those things. All right, so here we go. This is the best fucking time. So we are going to talk about the 12th house. The 12th house is traditionally ruled by Pisces, which was traditionally ruled so a lot of people don't see it like this anymore but it was traditionally ruled by Neptune and Jupiter and this is a really cool part that I realized 
Um, I, the 12th house, I do have my son and my Mercury there. Um, so I'll kind of get into it a little bit more, but how do I put this? Like, I, I really want to make sure that I put this the correct way. Cause I don't want to kind of over sensationalize the 12th house. It is, it's not the easiest house, right? It's kind of like the eighth house, but it has a very big different difference in identifiers. So if you remember, I said that the eighth house is like kind of like the occult and the mystery. Um, well, the 12th house does have to do with the hidden as well, but in a different way. So the 12th house is endings, healings, karma, dreams, hidden enemies, subconscious, um, et cetera. All those things that have to do with that, right? So think about wind, for example. If if both the 8th house and the 12th house, right, if we're comparing them, because I believe that they're comorbid, um, meaning that they kind of work off of each other in a really strange way, um, think about it like this. You have the 8th house. It's like it's like air. It's like wind, right? Like, it's not really visible, right? And you could feel it. You, you can be hurt by it. It can destroy things. Um, it could really make itself noticeable, right? Um, but it has to meet another object in order to do so or another force or, or another type of energy to, to do so. I'm not a scientist, so please don't quote me on how I'm going to explain this. But wind is invisible to us, right? Unless it's met with conden condensation when it's cold outside and you could see your breath, boom, now you could see air or like, like uh, carbon dioxide coming out of your mouth. Um, you know it's there. You could feel it, right? And when it meets another object, you're able to actually prove its existence, right? The 12th house is that, but you can't prove it. It's the intangible. It is the secret look that a, a girl that you just met gave you at the table and you're explaining to everybody she doesn't like you and they're all thinking you're crazy. It is the intangible. You, It's the unprovable, the unidentifiable. So the eighth house at least gives you the chance to uncover it with Pluto's influence, but Neptune ruling over Pisces, he's a son of a bitch and he will blind you. He will give you rose-colored glasses upon rose-colored glasses upon rose-colored glasses and you're kind of like in this fog of delusion and you can't even see things sometimes. So Pisces energy is very much like that. It's like a smoke screen that you don't even see is there. Um, the 12th house has to do a lot with the things that are hidden even from you. So of course, your subconscious, that's why it's been tied to dreams because that 12th house shit is all about like, you know, when your friend is at your house and you guys haven't been speaking and you're like in your head and you're singing a song, then all of a sudden your friend comes out the bathroom singing the exact same fucking song to the T, to the part that you were in, in the same key and everything. Um, and it's like that unexplainable, how did you know I was thinking about that song? Oh my God, that's crazy. You've experienced what the 12th house feels like you know and it's interesting because Pisces also being ruled by Jupiter like traditionally um it's also a house of projections and what is Jupiter if not an expansion or of like a, a blowing up of something it's something that like kind of I think of it I think of it like, like you know how like a lightsaber looks when it comes out of like the, the shaft, I guess. It's like that, but imagine from your own brain. Like that is kind of like that projection of like coming out. Um, so that's 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 my take on things at, at least for the 12th house, but I'm gonna get a little bit more personal with you guys. 
like Jupiter also has to do with spiritual growth, right? And the 12th house is all about that, like that spirituality and the subconscious and like these these limiting beliefs and all the stuff that we're like, oh, no, that would never happen, you know? Um, on a personal level, I have mine in Leo. So my son and my Mercury are in the 12th house, uh, yay me. And I have literally asked my mom 17 bajillion times for my birth time because if I'm off by 15 minutes, like, if I was born 15 minutes earlier, um, I'd be a Leo rising. So I've asked my mom multiple times. I'm like, am I really a 12th house son? You know, having a Virgo rising. I'm like, I don't want to be a 12th house son anymore. Um, and I did the math. And even if my mom was wrong, she goes, she goes, I know for sure it was 830. If anything at all, it was 830 something. So the cutoff for me to have been a Leo rising would have been 815 or 817. Like I did the math. Like I literally went through and I checked it minute by minute because I'm like, this can't be. What if my whole life is a lie, right? Very paranoid. And sure enough, yeah, I'm Virgo rising. So that sucks. But or not, it doesn't suck. I actually like my Virgo rising, but the 12th house sun. So I have my essence and my ego in the house of undoing. I'm consistently like, I, and it's interesting having my son in Leo, which is like obviously in domicile because Leo is ruled by the sun, um, in this house of, of darkness, like the 12th house, it has no light from the ascendant, which is why it is the hidden, you know, we can't see it, but having my son in there, my ego in there means that, because I, let's talk again about that projection that I really feel like we don't give credit to the ancient rulership of Pisces with Jupiter, like that is projection. And I feel like I feel most myself around like other Leo placements. I do feel kind of like defensive with them. Like my dad's a Leo moon. My, I have an ex that was a Leo moon. I have a friend that was a Leo moon. Um, and the Leo moons that I've met, like it could go one of two ways. Like I either feel like you're out to get me or I feel beautifully understood by you. Um, and I've had the pleasure and the burden of being on both sides of that. But I also have my Mercury there, too. So, like, while my ego is struggling in a house of dissolution, right, um, I also have my Mercury. My way of thinking and communicating is also in the 12th house. Now, I'm giving you guys all the negatives. I promise I'm going to lift spirits up in a second. Um, having Mercury in the 12th house, too, is, like, I'm prone to, like, miscommunications. Like, and I've... I've told Alex the 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 example of the notebook like if I have a notebook right and I hold it up and I'm like this is a red notebook the other person's like mm, no it's blue and I'm like bitch this a red notebook like why are we arguing about it like I could see it with my own eyes what are you talking about no it's a blue notebook it's a blue notebook it's a blue notebook no it's a red notebook and we're arguing and arguing arguing right and then I turn the notebook over and I'm like, see, it's red. What do you mean? And they're like, well, look at the other side, Angelica. It was blue the whole time for me. Communication is very similar to that for me. Like I will literally be saying the same thing, but from a different angle. And especially um, with like, for example, Alex, like he's an Aquarius moon. Like we do kind of have that opposition and sometimes I'm like, bro, we're saying the same exact thing. He's like, I know, but you're not getting it. And I'm like, but I am. And then it kind of flips too, where sometimes I'm like, we're saying the exact same thing. And he's like, no, but you're not getting it. I'm like, no, I am. Like, it, it, it's like a very, like, it feels like fog. It feels like I sometimes, especially with an eighth house moon on top of that too, like sometimes I'll communicate something and somebody's like, oh, you're playing the victim. And I'm like, no, bro, I'm literally, t I'm literally repeating what you just fucking said. <laughs> 
and you're seeing it as that. So if, if you think that me using your exact words in this context is playing the victim, then what does that say about you? I'm telling you, projection. But that it does, I do be playing the victim though, so I have to say that I do have that, that 12th houser energy for sure. But um, for me, communication is very difficult because although I can explain to you guys these like super abstract ideas and I think very beautifully, like I'm very proud of my brain sometimes because there has been a lot of things that I don't really talk about because they're not for the general public because people probably will think I'm schizophrenic and don't worry, I try to get diagnosed and my therapist laughed in my face. She said I'm not schizophrenic because I'm far too aware. Um, but I have literally, I have had so many unexplainable um experiences that I know there's people out there weaponizing them against me. And then now I have people around me that have visibly seen these things happen or heard these things happen that it's almost like, okay, you're here. So it's undeniable. Like we both saw that, right? Okay, cool. Um, but the 12th house is also a beautiful house of, of dreams. Like the, the, the dreams I've had are some are really sad. Like I've had really sad dreams that unfortunately end up becoming like a thing for me in the future. I mean, <laughs> and so much so that like anybody that knows me knows I keep a hefty folder of dream notes and sure enough, give it a month, give it a two. Like, I'm not trying to tell y'all I'm psychic. Like this isn't me coming out as that's all Raven, Raven Baxter. Like, no, that's not what this is. It's just that that is the way that I, that like I communicate with God. Like when I'm asleep, when my guard is down, um, I usually get the most impactful messages. And also being that my 12th house is in Leo too. Like I get a lot of messages through music. Like something that's been happening to me lately is like words will be failing me. Right. Like I, I'll, I'll be trying to explain something and then I get lyrics in my head and I'm like, okay, why is this song coming to my head right now when I'm supposed to be like, bitching at this person I look up the song and the lyrics are like a message like yo like I've had it it happened to me one day I was trying to explain something to Alex actually about this about communication and about how I felt like I don't do well in relationships both romantic platonic the business like all relationships because it's just difficult like there's too many rules and I feel like I'm always on the wrong side of things like very Pisces seventh house like I feel very misunderstood in relationships and I just I got to a point where I'm tired of explaining myself so I, I at least have have kind of overcome that or I'm in the process of overcoming it but I I couldn't find the right words right and then all of a sudden I was like then the song uh shake it out is it shake it out yeah, Shake It Out by Florence and the Machine came to my head. The part where she goes, and I'm damned if I do, and I'm damned if I don't, so here's the drink to the dark or something, or at the end of my road or something like that. And the so and then the craziest part was, I hadn't like, I don't think I had tweeted anything about it or anything like that, but that song came to me because I was telling him that I was struggling really bad and, I, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just want to like give up, not like kill myself, but like, I just want to like give up. I'm just so tired of like fighting and trying and trying to keep people around and stuff like that, you know, like all my sad girl shit. And I specifically remember that like two days later, somebody tweeted the exact lyrics that I was, that I had popped into my head that night. And I was like, okay, God, spirit, whatever. I hear you enough. Shut up. So, you know, those are very like awesome kind of occurrences of the 12th house and things that I'm very proud of that do happen to me. But I do also suffer the negative parts and and I do suffer the kind of like the paranoia that comes with the 12th house. I've had a lot of people in my life that I have told not a lot of people. That's stupid. I've had a couple people in my life that I have told people I love and care about. 
hey, this person does not like me. I don't feel comfortable around them. Something's going on, like, da da da. Girl, you're just being paranoid. It's not like that. Like, I promise you, like, they're really nice. I think you just, maybe you guys got off on the wrong foot. And then, you know, that person shows their ass to me, but only to me. It's like that little kid that, like, sticks their tongue out at you, but then their parent turns around and they're all sweet again. Yeah, I've, I've had literally experiences just like that. And then it isn't until that person sees it for themselves that then they come back and they're like, oh, my God, you were right about so-and-so. They are shady. I'm like, no shit, honey. So that's a cool part <laughs> about the 12th house. I feel like it it does kind of help me not be in, like, imminent danger, I guess, because I, I do see it. It's just a matter of, like, me keeping my rose-colored glasses. And I'm like, I can fix him. But um, also, too, like, the 12th house does speak to, like, telepathy and stuff like that. But I don't see it as telepathy, like, you know, like, like, a, like, where our third eyes are glowing and we're talking to each other. No, like sometimes it's like kind of like that telepathy I talked about with your friend where you're singing a song in your head and then she comes out the bathroom singing the same damn song on the same lyric. Like that shit happens and it's unexplainable. It happened to me with Jasmine one day where I was doing her nails and she was, I had made her like a breakfast sandwich or I may, I have made her like some sort of food and I heated up for her and she's trying to eat while we're cleaning up and she's like, uh, her, 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 her. I'm like, okay, yeah, but like that we can't do that because X, Y, Z She's like, I'm a her, 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 and I'm like, exactly, that's what I said. And then she like finally swallows it. She's like, how the fuck did you understand what I was saying? I was like, my mind filled in the blanks. That's twelfth house energy. So it's 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 really cool. And I don't want you guys to be like afraid. Don't listen to me fear mongering. I fear monger for myself um, because I have definitely my twelfth house perfection year sucked ass. Like it hurt a lot. It was very full of loss, but it was like. Everything that I thought about myself was true went away. It is so insane. And it, duh, hello, my son was activated. My son was activated in that 12th house of Leo. Everything that I thought about, I knew about myself was gone in a matter of seconds. Um, but yeah, that's, I really, I, I feel like the 12th house is so super subjective that I prefer since I'm just teaching you guys basics for you guys to really come to your own conclusion on what your 12th house represents, but your 12th house is about that karma too. So your 12th house is going to have to do with all the things that you need to work through in this lifetime. So look at me, my ego, my way of communicating like shit. <laughs> Fuck. And, and I also do struggle a lot with self-expression. That is also why I, have kind of shied away from posting these episodes because I'm like, what are they going to think? What are they going to, you know? And I, I wish I could be a little bit more open about like mediumship and the things that I've experienced on a paranormal level and shit like that. And like my dreams and I had an outer body experience and, you know, I've had like these occurrences, but I always feel like people are like secretly making fun of me when they ask me questions about it. So I just don't really talk about it. I like to be a little bit more secretive, except for like my group of friends. Like I will tell them because they see this shit with me. Like they, I have, especially after moving into this apartment, I've seen a lot of stuff and I've had people here and then like something happens and they're like, nah, I'm going, I'm leaving. And I'm like, bro, I didn't even do nothing. So it's, it's really cool. And no, again, I would like to disclaim this with the fact that I'm not saying that I'm like psychic or anything. I'm just saying that like usually 12th house natives, we do have like a visibility for certain things and it's really hard to get people to like kind of believe that or kind of uh, substantiate that for, for us. So, um, but yeah, that was a lot of words and I am so fucking tired of this episode. I mean, I love you guys and I love doing this, but I've done this episode so many times and I feel like if I could just mash all 
four or five times that I've done this shit, like put it together. I felt like it would have been a really good um, and well-spoken episode, but I hope you enjoyed this. If this didn't make sense to you, please reach out. I would love to kind of revisit this for the umpteenth time, you know? Yay. But I will be posting the, um, the little infographic and I hope that you guys enjoy and that this kind of clarified it a little bit. Um, I did expose myself hard as fuck. I gave you guys my chart. <laughs> well, not fully. I just kind of gave you like some specific um, placements to, to watch out for for me. But yeah, thank you very mucho. And that was ugly. I don't know why I said that. I hope you guys have a great day. <laughs> and thank you for listening. And I hope that we can do more of these and I will be doing more of these, but hopefully once I get this one out, which this is like, now we're going into it like for real, for real. I feel like once I get the, over the initial jitters of this episode, I will be a lot more um, consistent with the astrology content if that's what you guys are looking for. So yeah, thanks for listening and I hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye.